Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome to the Land Grant Podcast Network's post-game podcast for Ohio State's 35-16 victory over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. My name is Matt Timonini. I am joined by Justin Golba. Justin, that game was something. Uh, there was a lot going on in that game, both positive and negative. The reactions to that game were both positive and negative, which is kind of how all things work with Ohio State fandom. But it was a win for Ohio State, a fairly comfortable win, at least when you look at the final score. It was a cover. And when you are the number one team in the country, undefeated, and you are trying to make it to a college football playoff, winning is all that really matters. So as Buckeye fans, I think there are a lot of things that you can look at and not be super excited about. And we will talk about those things. But the thing that matters the most is that they won. And I don't think anybody can be too upset about that. No, I think the best way to word today was uh, my dad texted me halfway through the third quarter. Two words. Weird one. That's really, it was just a weird one. It was a weird game, including the biggest play of the game, which was, oh, wow. Uh, sorry, Texas m just lost. Um, it was a weird game because, you know, even like the play of the, the big pick six was just happenstance, you know, right play, right time by Jordan Hancock. And, you know, sometimes those balls bounce away and sometimes they don't. Normally, when you're the better team, they tend to bounce your way in the weird way. But, uh, yeah, I, I wrote about it last week in the stock market report. We're in survive in advance. That's all it is. It's November. It, it, you win games and you move on. Somebody tweeted, uh, I forget who, it was, it was one of the beat writers, tweeted, like, during the game, um, even though Ohio State's the number one team in the country, like, they don't feel like the number one. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. If you win, you go 15-0, you still win national championship, right? You, if they win out, they still go to the college football playoff. We, you know, honestly, even if they don't win out, they'll probably still have a very good chance to go to the college football playoff, as some people might know. But um, you just win these games, you move on. As you said, great teams cover. I think it, it was 18 and a half, right? And they won by 19. So Yeah, eight, 18 and a half uh, <laughs> was the final line that I saw. <laughs> kind of crazy. Love, love that. So, you know, at the end of the day, they got Marvin Harrison his two touchdowns for the Heisman. So, you know, all the, all the little things I think they kind of did. Obviously, it wasn't the prettiest game. Um, no, I'm not sure we'll talk about it, but I, at the end of the day, it's a 35 to 16 win, and this defense is yet to give up 17 points again in a game. So, yeah, the offense was probably the worst we've seen it in terms of like efficiency and functionality in one of the games against competent opponents. Like, whatever you think of Rutgers, and obviously, we understand that they're history has not been as a good football program, but they were receiving votes, like multiple votes at the AP poll last week. So technically they were like the number 33 team in the country. And obviously that's not the same thing as playing a top 10 team, but like, this is a very good football team. So this is a win against the team that uh, they should be very happy about. On the day, Kyle McCord was 19 of 26 for 189 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. The 65 yard uh, reception by Trevion Henderson obviously helps that a lot. Uh, I, I said it in Slack and I'll have to go back and look after the game when PFF puts out some of its more advanced stats and see what his average yards through the air per completion were, because I, I would be shocked if it's over six yards. Um, but that doesn't really matter. You know, it doesn't really matter if you 
get the ball out and guys do something with it. And obviously Trevion Henderson had a phenomenal game. He had a total of 208 yards. He had 22 carries for 128 yards on the ground in a touchdown. He had five receptions for 80 yards. Obviously that 65 yarder really swung the game. And even though he didn't score on it, it was one of the best receptions I can remember seeing by a running back in Ohio state history. Obviously we always love to see wheel routes in. And I think there's one by, Mosi that that will always stick in my mind, but like that was a really incredible run. Um, you mentioned Marvin Harrison Jr. had two touchdowns. He only had four receptions for 25 yards, but two of them were for scores. He was targeted eight times, though. There were some that I thought he should have caught, but there were also some that were just really, really poorly thrown balls. Um, but you have to be at least pleased with the fact that Ohio State was able to put up 35 points. Obviously, one of those was on a pick six, which we will talk about momentarily. But that's a win that you can be happy about, Justin. We'll get into the specifics, but just in terms of like vibes, what was your thoughts on the offense? I know you are a much bigger defender of Kyle McCord than a lot of other people are on the beat, in the fandom, and on this specific podcast. Yeah, I think in general, if you want him on the field still, you're a defender of him, which I – and I'm also I, – I do think it's partly not that I think he's, like, some great quarterback. I think he's fine. I just I, – I'm not sold that there's somebody behind him that's great. I, I've seen Devin Brown. I didn't love it. Lincoln Kineholtz is a freshman known for his athletic ability. I never really heard anything about his throwing ability. So, I mean – and granted, that's still good. You know, Craig Krenzel didn't throw the ball much, and they won a championship. So – I, th- I think I think that's why people want Kineholds because I think he kind of reminds them of Krenzel because he's tough, he's athletic, and I think that's what this whole team kind yeah. of does a little bit. Yeah, but Keenholz is like a legit athlete, like yeah. windmill dunking athlete yeah. on the basketball court. The, the, Krenzel's just tough. Let, okay. Yeah, let's okay. Let's get into the. We might as well get into the Kyle McCord of it all. Coming into this game, we knew that he was dealing with an ankle injury. He originally sustained it. In the Notre Dame game, it was exacerbated against Wisconsin last week. He had been heavily taped for really every week since Notre Dame. I thought at one point last week against Wisconsin that they were going to put Tristan Jebbia in. They talked about him warming up furiously on the sideline. That didn't end up happening. Devin Brown was technically available today, but he has been dealing with that injury that we saw him get uh, trying to go in uh, against Penn State on a goal line set. So we don't really know how how ready he was. The thing with Keen Holtz, though, is even though I I would like to see him maybe not, you know, at halftime of this game or or starting a game, but I just want to see like what he's all about. The problem with him is that he just got to Columbus in June. So it, it might be a slightly different conversation if he was an early enrollee and joined the team in January. He did not. So he he is six months behind on learning the playbook from when he could have been. And he wanted to play high school basketball. I have no problem with that. If anybody wants to and finish baseball. their basketball seasons and baseball seasons. I think his, that was his, I think his main, wasn't he like an all state baseball player? Uh, probably. Yeah. I mean, he, he played all both. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I have no problem with that. But if you're going to ask a true freshman to play at Ohio state in the stretch run of a, of a season, trying to get to a college football playoff, that's really tough. That doesn't mean that I'm opposed to it because I think you have to do whatever you can to get this team to some see, sort of offensive, yeah. you know, efficiency and functionality that I don't think they're at at this point. Right. But I don't know that there's a better option. And, and that's on the coaches. This is probably something where if you go back and look, and I think I actually wrote this article and I, I might have to go back and recirculate it. Like getting Quinn Ewers yeah. was a really, really weird situation not when they initially got him, but when he decided to reclassify. And that really ha- put them behind an eight ball in terms of quarterback recruiting. And I, I, I don't know what's going to happen after the season. There are still three to five games left uh, to go in the 2023-2024 season. So we'll deal with that then. But like, I just don't know that there's a guy on your offense that is going to come in and do any better than Kyle McCord. But I also am not opposed to finding out. Yeah. The reason I wasn't, I didn't want him replaced at the half was what we've talked about on this podcast. He has been substantially better in the second half than the first half. Now that is a problem in and of itself, that the production is not going from game to game. That's a problem. Um, but we've talked about it a couple of times. 
Notre Dame game, Wisconsin game. I, the Penn State game, I didn't get to watch too much but uh, because I wasn't available. But um, from what it looked like, a little bit at least, like he is playing much better in the second half. This this was a weird game just because of the way Rutgers was playing. They just didn't want Ohio State to touch the ball. So they were, you know, I mean, it was a quick game. They were taking the – so it wasn't as many possessions as normal. But um, that was why I just didn't want to replace it at the half because I'm, I was like, he's shown a pattern that in the second half he will be better. And I guess statistically he was. He threw two touchdowns and threw for 120 yards in the second half while he only had 80 in the first. So, obviously, most of those on one play. But that's where I think just with McCord, you have to – we have to see – and look, we're in the – this is the ninth game of the season. Like, you 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 know what you have at this point with Kyle McCord. I guess you've seen – I guess you've seen it. The question just becomes can now – you know, they get Michigan State, then they play Minnesota? Okay, so you have those two teams that are not good. Uh, so you need to show some type of like the slow starts can't happen. They can happen against Rutgers. They can happen against Wisconsin. You'll end up beating those teams. Michigan, different story. You know, you play yeah. Georgia, you play Florida State, whoever the hell you're going to see later, different story. So that's where the, these first halves have just got to be better. Um, now, granted, the defense never gives up more than 14 points. Maybe you don't have to be better, but I can assume <laughs> that against Michigan – you know, it's not the defense's fault, really, if you give up 20 to 21 points. That's a hell of an offense. So you just – it's 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 strange, too. I just – I don't get it. I really don't. I've never really seen a quarterback that throughout the game progresses as he does but doesn't progress. It's like we're, start, we're starting on step one every game, and then we progress from there. It just – it doesn't look like he really progresses game to game, and it's, it's, it's interesting to me. Yeah, I, I, I imagine that a lot of that has to do, not a lot of it, but at least part of it has to do with the play calling of these uh, of these things and how they kind of want to work in some balance into the game. They want to get him some things early on. And I don't know that that necessarily works with him. It feels like he has to be able to uh, kind of go quickly. And they they're, they they're often like, let's do something short. Let's do this really easy thing. And I've talked about, we both talked about, like, let's run the Dwayne Haskins offense. And we still don't see that super often. But he seems to be a guy that once he gets some momentum, he tends to do better. Uh, and, and that doesn't seem to happen in the first half of games, which is disappointing because in the second half, he does look much better. I don't think that that erases the issues that he has in the first half because games are 60 minutes for a reason. And like you said, if you're going to play the better teams in the country, you have to be good for 60 minutes. He's not shown that he is capable of doing that yet against anybody, against Western Kentucky, against uh, Youngstown State, um, and, and certainly not against the better teams on the schedule. But there is something there. I don't think it's enough to make me be like, yes, he is Ohio State starter until he decides to leave. That's certainly not going to happen. I'm not saying that he needs to be replaced but I think that Ryan Day needs to certainly look at his other options during practice. We don't see practice. So these guys could be terrible for all we know. Um, we've seen Devin Brown in a game a little bit, but other than that, and Tristan Jebbia played some at Oregon state, uh, including some starts with a victory over Oregon. But uh, you know, they, you've got to figure something out with that quarterback position, whether it is with Kyle or not, because what he is doing in the first half of games is not losing you games now but against better competition and specifically Michigan the Saturday after Thanksgiving very well on could. Yeah. On the road, especially. Now I do want to say like we talked about Travion Henderson's numbers, you know, really incredible. The last two weeks, over 200 yards, all purpose. Um, his running was just under six yards a carry at 5.8 yards per carry. And a lot of that was because of some pretty impressive cutbacks and some pretty, you know, deft avoidance of tackles. But I will say, like, the offensive line is not great. They are not nearly as good as they even were last year, which still had some issues in and of itself. But, like, I, am I wrong that the offensive line looked fairly good in run blocking today? Again, not great, but there were times when you saw, uh, you know, on the, on the touchdown run, they highlighted it on the broadcast. Like, Joshua Simmons, of all people, like, really just drove a guy for, like, seven yards and cleared a path for Trey. And I've said since before the season started, that offensive line is clearly the biggest issue on this Ohio state team. They've been fairly decent in, in pass protection throughout the year and run blocking was kind of their bugaboo, but it seems to me that the last two weeks, and it is certainly helped by a healthy trivia on Henderson being the one to tote the ball, 
but it feels like the offensive line is taking strides forward to where they can at least be competent and serviceable against elite defensive lines that will come later in the season. Yeah, I think it's both. I think it's the offensive line is getting better and better, but I also think just having Travion Henderson healthy to where he can really hit those holes. He's so explosive. His burst is better than I've seen in a while. Like, I just think that that's just helpful when you have a guy that can hit. Sometimes he looks a little too much for the home run ball. He still has that issue and loses a couple yards. But other than that, he's he. I mean, I've been saying it since week one. I think Travion Henderson is the X factor in this team. Marvin Harrison's the best player, but I think Trayvon, a healthy Trayvon Henderson just changes everything. And you've seen it the past two weeks. If he's not healthy in these two weeks, I don't know how these games go against Wisconsin or tonight again, where Harrison had 25 yards receiving. He had two touchdowns, but he had 25 yards. And, you know, I the wide receiver core, and this is a little bit too also the McCord argument, the wide receivers aren't great this year. They're just not. I mean, Harrison is obviously Harrison. He's on his own. But Abuka's has been hurt. Fleming's been inconsistent. Stover just didn't play today. He's hurt, I guess. Uh, every time G. Scott makes a great play, he follows it up with a bad one. So it's just kind of like. Four or three. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, you know, having that running back, especially with Mayan Williams out for the year now, that like Trayvon Henderson. And I think it's what people see in Dallin Hayden as well. I just think Henderson's a little better, maybe a little bit more experienced. But, um, you know, I, I think Henderson is truly like when he's healthy, he's a late first round, early second round pick. And maybe only that late because of running backs aren't that well. Yeah, uh, running backs don't get drafted. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think absolutely. he's as good as maybe outside of Ollie, like Ollie Gordon at Oklahoma State, if you haven't looked up, is doing some unreal stuff. Other than that, I, I don't know if I can name a better back in the country when he's healthy. I mean, I, I think Audric Estime is pretty good. I think Braylon Allen is pretty good, even though we saw him last week not do a, a ton against Ohio State. But, like, I think you're right. Like, he's just dynamic. And I think the fact – this is a different conversation than maybe a post-game show, but what makes him probably interesting to NFL scouts is his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He is tremendous uh, in, or tremendous, if you want, in that respect. Um, and I think Ohio State is finally starting to figure that, that out, that that is a weapon that they can – exploit especially when what we saw and one of the reasons why i don't think that the passing game was nearly as explosive today as we've seen throughout this season and which has not been nearly as explosive as it was last year was that rutgers for the last two seasons has done everything it can to keep everybody in front of them if people forget that last year marvin harrison jr was only three for 18 he had three receptions for 18 yards again one of them was a touchdown last year as well but greg Schiano knows how to stop elite passing games and in situations like that, and we're going to see defenses want to stop Travia or to want to stop uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Abuka, and presumably when Cade Stover is healthy again. Um, so on pass plays, having Trey out of the backfield is a really good safety valve. And I thought that we saw that today. There were some pretty interesting concepts that I thought we saw from both the running game and the uh, and the running back passing game, but we it was all pretty basic. Like there were some interesting things here. There were some counters. There was um, some inside, uh, uh, some inside trap kind of uh, stuff going on. But for the most part, we didn't see wheel routes. We didn't see, um, you know, a ton of fakes going on. It was just pretty much Trey being better than the Rutgers defense. And if he's healthy and able to do that against a pretty decent defense, like that's encouraging for Michigan, which will clearly be the best defense that Ohio state faces all year, including in the playoffs, probably. Yeah, and it's funny, too. I think when you see – you can tell he's healthy, not just by the way he runs, but the way they're running him. I mean, this whole yeah. – like the, Chip Traynham had two carries today. He, it was Travion Henderson's backfield to have. And a grant, granted, that is impacted by they want to redshirt Dallin Hayden and they want – and Mayan Williams is hurt. But, like, they're not really using two backs anymore to where they're using two or three to start the season. It's just Trayvon Henderson, and they're just working him as they should. I mean, he has, as you said, the past two games, he has 400 yards of all purpose. So uh, it's not bad. So I, you know, definitely it, it's, it's cool to see. It's, it's still every single time he gets hit. I'm like, get up please. But um, other than that, you know, I'm at that point. It's, 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 it's a weird way to watch football, but um, you know, I think he's just so dynamic and it's just, you, you just, when you look at any good team ever, basically they have, they have, a, they have a, they're two tier offense. They have passing game and a running game. Early season, we just didn't have the running game that we have now, All right. and um, it's 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 very refreshing. You you mentioned kind of holding your breath anytime Trey goes down, and we saw a number of injuries coming into this game. You mentioned Mayan Williams is out for the season. Denzel Burke, despite 
presumably practicing all week was not available this week. I have to assume that's a load management, keep him rested kind of thing against a team like Rutgers, who you were expecting to run the ball a lot, and they did, which we will get to. So maybe don't put your number one corner out there to potentially get hurt if you don't have to. Um, Obviously, Lathan Ransom is out. And from what the word is coming out of the Woody, like it's not the worst case scenario. So they're hoping to have him back for Minnesota and then presumably Michigan as well. But we saw some injuries in this game, which are are fairly concerning. Even they're late in the game. Um, uh, Tommy Eichenberg had to go back to the locker room. He seemed to be really uh, woozy after the third down play on the goal line that ended up leading to a fourth down uh, stop and a turnover on downs. So I'm not sure if that was just kind of like got his bell rung and they took him to the back to kind of like check on him. Um, but then they also said on the broadcast that he was holding his arm. So maybe there was a, a little bit of both in those situations. We saw um, uh, Josh Proctor uh, on that, uh, but ended up being a pick six, get hurt. They had took his helmet away. I'm guessing that was a concussion protocol type of thing as well, because he looked to be fine on the sidelines throughout the rest of the game, talking with teammates, cheering, uh, being involved in the defensive huddles and all of that stuff. So those things are fairly important when you start to throw that in to the mix as well, because, you know, everybody's hurt late in the season. Everybody has injuries, but you would certainly like to have as many of your starters healthy as possible heading into the rivalry game uh, at the end of this month. Yeah. I mean, I think with Tommy Eichenberg, I think he might have to be dead to not play. I mean, that dude is just a, I I love the, uh, when they put out, I think it was the, the promo video for the Wisconsin game where he's talking about just like killing people. And you're like, okay, so he's, he's, he's in. Um, hopefully he's okay. I, that kind of implies like maybe a stinger to me. If kind of like he's a little woozy and he has arm hit, maybe just hit the ground weird um, with Josh Proctor. He had a phenomenal game. I mean, really a game changer all, all game. He, he sniffed out a, a run that would have been maybe like 15 yards on third down and made it a, a loss of yards. And then obviously, you know, reading what was happening with Gavin Wimsett in that because he was looked like he was going to run, then he kind of pulled it back and did a little fake jump pass on that pick six. So um, he had a great game, and hopefully, you know, yeah, you just the Denzel Burke thing doesn't bother me. They're just they're not a vertical threat, so you just don't yeah. put them out there to not hurt. I don't think everyone was talking about like I was a little surprised people kept calling it a mysterious injury. It's not a mysterious injury. We, he's hurt. He got hurt against yeah. Penn State, or he missed Penn State because he was hurt. He fought through it against Wisconsin, but I don't think he was fully healthy. I don't think he was 100%. I think he's good enough to look 100%, but that doesn't mean he was. And then so you sit him out on this one and get him ready for Michigan. Uh, You're not going to play another good passing offense until Michigan. Michigan State doesn't know how to get the ball down the field, neither does Minnesota, even though they should. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. There was only one really play in the game that looked like it might affect them, and that was the deep pass to, uh, to Dremel, which was affected by the pressure, which was nice. So, um, McGavin Wim said, I was really interested to see how they defended him because they don't, they haven't faced anybody like him. He's not a great passer. He's a capable passer, but he's just such a dual. He's just a dynamic runner. Um, plus obviously what they can do in the backfield. So I was interested to see how they did. And there were times it was great. I think there was a lot of gas out there. I think they were just really tired. Uh, I worded that incredibly weird but I know, I think they were, I, I know. They, they were yeah. out of gas yeah, yeah. not a lot of, of flatulence yeah, yeah. yeah. well let, let's take a real quick break maybe that too let's take a real quick break uh and then we'll dive into the defense if you're watching this live on social media or on youtube there's not really going to be a break but if you're listening to us on the podcast after the fact we will be back here in just a few minutes All right, welcome back if you went away at all. Um, But yeah, let's talk about Gavin Wimsatt. He was only 10 for 25 passing for 129 yards. Did one touchdown and then that pick six interception. Kyle uh, uh, Manungai, I practiced this name last night for the other podcast that I did on Saturday morning and I still screwed it up. But Kyle Manungai had 24 carries for 159 yards, including a 45-yard long, a 6.6 rushing yard average. That is you know, nearly a full yard more than Trey had. So that kind of puts his 
his day in perspective. Wimsat did rush the ball 13 times for a total of 49 yards. He was only sacked once for seven yards. So he had 56 yards rushing sack adjusted, um, but just really didn't have a whole lot going on in the passing game. They were able to use that at times, though, to move the chains. They were able to use that at times to kind of keep Ohio State a little bit off balance, but they never really did a whole lot in the passing game. There, they did have one 35-yard pass to Dremel, like you mentioned. But other than that, nothing really clicked all that much. I, you know, I, they gave up. Ohio State's defense gave up 16 points. Some of that field position was thanks to good special teams by Rutgers and bad special teams by Ohio State. Uh, that trick fumble Ruski play. So, like, if you look That's at this funny. and you're like, yeah, we'll get to that. But like. They gave up 16 yards to Rutgers, and I think most modern coaches probably would not have taken the field goals as easily early on as Greg Schiano did. He's so old school, like he thought, you know, just get the points, just get the points. Against a team that you are clearly overmatched with in terms of talent, you can't just keep doing that. But um, I think gave up 16 points. And, and, and at least a couple of those scores were thanks to really good field position that they kind of either got by fluke or by something crazy. So, you know, it's it's more than their season average. Obviously, Ohio State was only giving up 10 points per game coming in. But, like, I think this is still a good game from the defense, even though they gave up a ton of yards on the ground. Uh, Rutgers actually outgained Ohio State 361 yards to 328. Um, but, like, Rutgers is decent. So, like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to feel about this defensive effort. Only gave up 16 points, but gave up and only gave up 361 yards, which isn't that, you know, it's not a lot. So help me here, Justin. Like, what should I feel about this defensive performance from the Buckets? Ben, don't break. That's what it's been all year. It still was kind of that. See, but I, mean, I, I, hold on. I don't think that's true, though. Like, it, it might have been at the beginning of this. 16 points. Well, but what I know, what I mean is, is like early in the season, there was a little bit of a bend, bend don't break thing. Mm-hmm. But then they stopped giving up third downs. And then it was just like, don't do anything. Like they didn't bend or break. So like, I, I think that there's a good chunk of the season where that wasn't true. Um, maybe it was true today. Let me see what their third down um, numbers look like. Yeah, Rutgers was only four for 13. So it's not like they were kept bending and bending and bending. I mean, you could probably go and look and say that uh, they just didn't get into a lot of third downs, uh, especially as they were moving the ball. But like, I, I know what you're saying, but like that didn't seem like the thing to me. It just felt like there were times when, whether it was gassed because you you mentioned that earlier, time of possession, Rutgers had the ball 35 and a half minutes to Ohio State's 24 and a half. Yeah. And so like, is it just that like the defense was, to use your term, gassed? Were they just tired and and maybe needed a little bit of a blow? I, you know, Ohio State is not shy about rotating guys but with so many injuries especially in the secondary maybe that factored into it yeah i do think also they just there were a couple positions that they weren't obviously they weren't put in good position the fake punt you you give them the ball at the 25 that's not ideal the mccord interception they had just left the field after being on the field for eight and a half minutes they just left the field now they got to go back out there they still hold them to a field goal but um you know there was there was that the fumble Ruski, I mean, that was just kind of a really smart play by Shiano. They had a good drive up until then. That you know, that was a third and one on the fifty or on the four on the Rutgers forty uh, that went for fifty yards. Just honestly, because it was a really good play call. I don't think anybody really has seen that since they were like twelve. So I mean, that was it's so that's just the tip of the cap. So I think it was just a combination of you know not you know having a short field for Rutgers to, to, I mean, if you get the ball in the 25, you're already in field goal range. So for the defense, if you hold the field goal, you can't really do much more than that. Um, so I think it was just a combination of that. Plus, uh, you know, a couple weird plays that they got the ball down the field on. And um, at the end of the day, I mean, I think they did enough. They, they only gave up 16 points. They scored seven. So by that logic, I guess they, they were only counted for nine. Um, so I, I think they had a very, very good game. I think also, I mean, you look at the secondary, while Rutgers isn't a huge vertical threat, you're still missing two starting secondary pieces. Um, so that was that was pretty key for them to step up and still allow, you know, Wimsett really not – I mean, Rutgers had re- virtually no passing game. 
uh, with two of your better, two of your starting corners out or two of your starting secondary members out, plus Denzel Burke, who is, you know, one of the best in the country. So I, I, I like the performance from the defense. Rutgers is going to get some yards on you in the running game. They're just, they're good enough. They're powerful enough. This isn't like the Rutgers teams have passed. I know the broadcast kept mentioning it, but like this is Michigan beat them 31 to seven. You know, that's not blowing the brakes off either. Uh, and that was a couple of late touchdowns. So this is a decent Rutgers team that they're going to run the ball on you. They're going to get some yards. Um, and I think that, you know, I tweeted during the game. The reason field goals don't win you games is at one point, Ohio State had three scores and Rutgers had three scores and it was 21 to nine because Ohio State had three touchdowns and Rutgers had three field goals. I was surprised Shiano kept taking the field goal. I don't, I wasn't surprised at first, maybe the second one, but the third one, I was like, all right, you know, you're not going to win this game nine, seven. You have to start putting the ball in the, in the end zone. And, um, you know, some people, some people do it like that. Some people do it like Kansas state just did it and didn't work for Kansas state. So um, it, it all, it, it all depends. K state blowing that one. How do you screw yeah. that one up? They were on like the two First down three and couldn't score and then missed the field goal. Man, that, that, that's brutal. Well, did you see overtime? Um, no, I, I I didn't have a second game on, so I, I was just kind of oh. following on Twitter. What yeah, happened what there? I, what I meant on overtime, they um they got the so Texas got the ball first, got a field goal, so Texas is up three. Oh. Um, K State got the ball to the five yard line, first and goal, incomplete, incomplete, incomplete. Fourth and goal, they went for it instead of taking the field goal to go double overtime, oh. and they didn't get it. So they lost the game. So, but a lot of fans would say that's the way to do it. You're the you're you're down. Nah. You're the you're the on the road. I disagree with that because you're Kansas State. You're playing for a conference championship. If you're Rutgers, yeah. where you don't really have a chance at that, yeah, do it. If you're playing for something, I don't I don't agree with it. But yeah, I mean they're a ranked team. Kansas State yeah. was a ranked team. Were they number twenty two coming into this weekend? If they would have won that game, that would have put them in a position to be in line for, and I don't know the big 12 standings, but I would have to imagine they would certainly control their own destiny to get one of those two. Yeah. Like that's, that's a, Ooh, that's rough. That's, that's a rough one there. Um, Real quick. Let's talk about the fumble ruski there because it's, it's not technically a fumble ruski because a fumble ruski. They kept calling it that. I was like, that's not what that is. It's not because in a fumble ruski, you, the ball actually goes on the ground and someone picks it up. Yeah. It's a fumble. I don't believe that's legal anymore because offense can't advance a fumble. Um, and I'm not a rules expert. So if I'm getting these rules wrong, please forgive me, but it's essentially, it's the same idea as the fumble ruski. Um, but like it, it, there were people in our mentions being like, you've got to be prepared for that. This player completely like, yes, Greg Schiano loves trick plays. So you've got to understand it, that anything is possible. But like that was just a cool ass play and it was well executed. It was a great design and it worked. Like if I was wearing a hat, I would take it off to Greg Schiano because that was just a good play and it was fun. So like, yeah, it sucks that it happened against the team that I'm rooting for, but that was fun. Like that's a good play. Let's, let's, let's see more of that in college football. To me, that's a good indicator of kind of how you watch sports in general of just like, you can just like sometimes you just oh they got us on that one you know yeah I mean if they don't do that exact play they don't get it Ohio State got like Eichenberg went over the top Ohio State had that snuffed out and it's a super risky play there's like five different scenarios that ball is going back the other way so yeah. you know it just it worked perfect if, if you look at that and you're like we got to be prepared yeah come on man I mean yeah no you don't <laughs> I've never yeah. I I've, I mean, it'd be I've great. never seen that like yeah if if somebody does sniff it out player of the game. But yeah, you know it happens. It, it's it's a great play call. It's a risky one. It's a great play call. It'll work. Sometimes yeah. that sometimes you just got like you said. You just good job. Yeah, there were two big plays for Ohio State in terms of like yardage. There was obviously the Travion Henderson uh, catch and run that we talked about, and then there was the pick six, which Josh Proctor initiated, and then Jordan Hancock finished. Those two plays to me, both in the second half, really kind of sealed the the fate now obviously Rutgers still made it a one point or one possession game after that so I'm not saying like this ended the game but like those two plays turned the tide in terms of both momentum but also vibes for Ohio State because like if Rutgers scores instead of Ohio State getting that pick six like that's a much different game and it was not over at that point so I'm not saying like Ohio State scored that touchdown and then it was obviously over because they were at 14-9 no but like 
those types of plays are the types of things that for whatever reason, Ohio State has been able to come up with when they've needed them the most this season. Think back to the Notre Dame game, like third and 19, there was a fourth and seven. Like those are plays that for whatever reason, this team, um, and it was Kyle McCord and wide receivers in the Notre Dame game, obviously defense, and then just an outstanding individual effort by Trevion Henderson in this game. And there's been others throughout the year. But that is why, and we've talked about before, like that is why I get 2002 vibes from this team. The construction of the teams are very different. Um, they were a special teams, uh, an excellent special teams. Defense was very good. The offense was a run first team. I guess technically they are here, but the quarterback situation was much different. The offensive line situation was much different. But like just the vibes around the team to where nothing is ever easy. Um, and I was a senior at Ohio State during that season. So like I not only watched every game, I was at every home game. I was at the Purdue Holy Buckeyes game. Yeah. Nothing was easy. That's the way this feels. To be honest with you, like I haven't felt like a lot of Ohio State games have been all that entertaining to watch since like mid Urban Meyer. Um, so all of them are a little tedious to me at this point because everybody, not fans, but like I mean, like every the, the expectations are so high that if it, if they're not perfect, it it can be frustrating. And then when they are perfect, it's such a blowout; it doesn't matter. But like I just feel like there's something about this team that while they might be walking on a razor's edge they find a way to end up on the right side of that. And that very well could come back to bite them when they play a team like Michigan or even I don't know, hell at this point, who knows who's coming out of the West uh, if Ohio State makes it to the Big Ten Championship game and then potentially into the playoff as well. But like, there's just a, there's just an aura about them that makes me feel more confident, Justin, than I probably should. Yeah. They're, they make winning plays. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a cliche thing to say, but these are, that's what they are. They're winning plays. It's it's I mean, you mentioned the 2002 team like you look at a Jordan Hancock play like today and that that entire momentum shift of literally what could have been 14 points. What do I think of? Obviously not the biggest not not at this play was not on the biggest of stages as the last one was. But 2002, the Maurice Claret strip of Sean Taylor, like things like that, you know, like that game, that national championship game might have been over if he doesn't do that. And he does it's things like that, that, you know, it, it, it their plays that don't even really make any sense. Like I said, Hancock. For most of, for 99% of, you know, a play like what happened with Proctor, that ball just falls to the ground because Proctor just breaks it up. Hancock's standing right there. And the minute he caught it, I was like, he's gone. There's nobody in front of him unless Wimsick can somehow tackle him. And he, like, tried to make a block or something. So I'm not sure what he tried. So it was just like, it's just those plays where they don't really make any sense. Holy Buckeye didn't make a lot of sense. The fact that Ohio State kind of won that game because of a pass, which is hilarious if you think about it, looking back on it. You know, it was on fourth it. and three. Yeah, it was yeah. on fourth and two or three, and they threw it like 30, 40 yards <laughs> into the end zone, which is not a trestle crinzel type of thing. No, that gets people real upset. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's 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 just it's kind of why I haven't like people have like pressed the panic button about this team, and I'm like, they're nine and no, and they're they're the number one, and people are very convinced they're gonna fall in the in the standings, and they might because Wisconsin lost and I don't really care if yeah. they do. I mean, who knows? If, if Georgia if Georgia goes out and beats Missouri, who is a ranked team handily, right. like that's fine. But Probably it doesn't Georgia. matter. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. It just doesn't matter. And I think Not I think all. in terms of our land grant colleagues, like I feel like you and I might be the most positive. Um, which is kind of weird because I think because I do the tweeting for land grant, people think I'm like negative and pessimistic. Like, no, I'm gonna point out things that I don't think are very good, but like I think you and I both feel like this team is a legitimate national title contender. And like, I, you I know, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I might even say like, I don't want to say they're the favorite, but like, I think like they're not just there because they're undefeated. Like I think they're there because I think they're one of the, th the two or three best teams in the country. I saw a tweet this morning and forgive me, I forget who did it, but they tweeted, um, it's weird, like kind of like Ohio State fans can be a little spoiled sometimes, and we definitely are. We, I mean, we've seen yeah. success at a level that most haven't seen ever outside of like Bama fans, obviously. But um, the, of like it, do, it feels like it's a down year, but this is the number one team in the country. Yeah. And and the first comment was, yeah, but we can all agree this isn't actually the number one team. Why? Why can we agree? Right, on they, that? They, they've got the number one next to them. Yeah, they've got the one next to them. They're nine and zero. They've beaten now. Of course, the Notre Dame game took a hit today for sure. But at to this point, they've beaten and two Wisconsin. Top 15, yeah, and Wisconsin. But they've beaten two top fifteen teams. Like 
yeah, they are. They have they do have the best resume. Now I test I test is something I've never liked because to me I can prove anything on an eye test. I get eye test is important. I, I I get those facts to it, but like on the field when it comes to just the the stats of it all and who they've actually beat and what they've done, yeah, to this point Ohio State's been the number one team in the country. Their defense is at, and I think you wrote the article, right? I, I'd rather have a elite defense. Yeah. yeah, I fully agree. I, I've seen Ohio State three straight years have elite offenses better than maybe some ever have been. I've seen nothing come from it except one playoff win. I haven't yeah. seen, in the past three years, I haven't seen them beat Michigan because they didn't play three years ago and two years they lost to them. Like, I'm comfortable with this. I like the, the defense winning them games. I do think the offense is going to need to be a little better down the stretch yeah. to win these games, but I've seen the offense also like the Notre Dame game is still in my head. Like, I, Kyle McCord had to make plays to win that game, and he did. Um, you know, I still think the offense is going to continue to get healthier. Kate Stover will be on the field. I'm assuming next week, I think it felt like they kind of ruled him out as a little bit precautionary today. They weren't really that, they're not really that open about that, which is fine. Um, and the Mecca is just going to continue to get healthier and healthier. So, you know, I think, and I think that's a big thing. I really do. I think Buka is, I mean, you're talking about another possible top 15 pick in the draft. The last mock draft I saw, he was going 12th or something like he's that good. I think people have kind of, I don't want to say forgotten about him, but he just gets put kind of in a different light because Marvin Harrison is so generational. Uh, you forget, like, there's an argument that Emeka Buka is probably a, the third, fourth best receiver in the country outside of Roma, Dunze, and, and Keon Coleman. So, like, all of these things are going to continue to get better. They can they can sleepwalk past Michigan State and Minnesota. It's just what it is. I hope. I hope. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I mean, they lose that game, then, yeah, everything I've just said is invalidated for sure. But then, and then you, the whole season comes down, and I've said this: the whole season comes down to how Kyle McCord plays at Michigan, right? If he comes out and plays his best game, great, we're perfect. If he comes out and struggles, then yeah, it's going to be a trouble. So that's just where, when it comes to like the whole argument with like, I, and I've never really understood the I don't want them to be number one because now there's a target on their back. They're Ohio State. <laughs> that target, target exists, that target exists. Whether they're one, two, three, four, they're still a top five team in the country. Yeah, you want to beat the number one team, but you want to beat the number two and three, and you want to beat everybody you play. I don't. That to me is kind of that's always just a talking point. So, I I don't. I think they've done they've done everything they've had to do to win games, which is great. Um, I still think Penn State's a, a really good team, even though the Indiana game they stumbled a little bit. I still think they're a really good team. They're up on Maryland right now. Hopefully, they can win that game. Uh, so, you know, I I, I don't think that because there was a kind of a narrative after the Penn State game of like, well, maybe just both these teams suck. I don't. That's that's a lot for me. Uh, that's a lot. So, yeah. Let's let me ask you this question. We'll end on this one here. I had posted some things on Twitter during the game about how, like, look, everything should be on the table for trying to get the offense to its utmost potential this season. And a lot of people came back with, "Well, they're nine games in or eight and a half games in. They are who they are." And I'm like, that's not how that works. That like coaches don't stop coaching. They don't stop trying to get better. Like, yes, that might mean like they're not going to go from here to here, but they could go from here to here. And sorry if you're listening on the podcast and not seeing where my hands were on that, but like that doesn't mean they have to go from like five where they are now to 10 to be successful, but they could go from five to seven and and make changes, whether that's in scheme and personnel and, and, and whatever. So like, to me, they've got to keep grinding. They've got to keep making changes. They can't keep doing the same things over and over on offense because we've seen that. And I don't think that that is going to be successful against Michigan at all in the postseason. But if they can get a little bit better each of these next few weeks, both in terms of practice and on the field in games, like, uh, you know, I still think the defense is good enough to 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 keep them in the game against Michigan. And Ohio State will probably go in to Ann Arbor as the underdog. but like use these next few weeks to improve and see what happens. Yeah. And I've said this a couple of times too. Maybe why I don't feel as down on this team is there's no 2019 LSU out there. There's no yeah. 2021 Georgia. There's no 2020 Bama. I don't think any of these teams are particularly amazing. I think there are, there's a lot of great teams. There's no elite top of the barrel for sure. This is the best team. Um, I I'll, I'll say this as well. I'm not, you know, I, I'm indifferent about Ryan Day as a play caller. I know a lot of people don't like it. I'm not huge on the head coach calling plays in general. So as a Browns fan, you know, with Stefanski, I kind of feel the same way. I'll say this. 
Uh, if they're not going to appreciate him down in Boulder, I will drive myself to go get Sean Lewis. Okay. Hmm. Uh, if anybody's <laughs> listening, I will drive and go get Sean Lewis to get him to uh, to Columbus. Uh, was it, he was at Kent, right? He was Kent's head coach, most successful yeah, ever. He get, Kent yeah. State won a bowl game with Sean Lewis. If you know Kent State's history in football, that is a Pulitzer Prize. Like he should won the, he should have won the Heisman for that. It was their first bowl win in in history. Kent is the worst FBS team historically record wise in ever, and he won a bowl game with them. So, uh, but he just got demoted this week for Pat Shermer, who we yeah we haven't seen that. Okay, I'm a yeah. Browns fan. I've seen Pat Shermer. But uh, I'll drive and go get him to bring him to Columbus if you want to switch something up. So uh, he would be phenomenal. But, I, yeah, I just – I mean, there's plenty of people that thought the offense was the offense and the defense was the defense, you know, after Michigan last year. They they never compete with Georgia, and they found a little bit different, and they, and, you know, and they put a 40 on that defense. So, obviously, this offense is not that with C.J. Stroud. But, you know, I do think Kyle McCord is still a – like, coming into this game, there was people that didn't even want him starting. He's fifth in the country in QBR. At some point, some of these stats do matter. Um, I know a lot of it's benefited by Harrison Jr. That's, But he's going to have Harrison Jr. Everybody's going to have him, no matter who the high state quarterback is. So, you know, that that point is kind of moot because he's going to be there. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not opposed I think, to – I think people are just – I think people are – I'm not even saying – McCord, someone was like, McCord is the worst quarterback since, like, I think they said Bokeman, which I maybe, I don't know. But they've yeah, had a lot Beckman, of – yeah. Yeah, Beckman was worse. And Beckman, they went to a national championship. So, yep. you know, I will say this. Like, they've, they've had just unbelievable quarterbacks. It's not like he's that bad. It's just he's not as good as the elite that they've had with Haskins, Fields, and um, C.J. Stroud. So, I I just – I don't – this grass is always greener thing. That's where I'm just – I kind of lose people. I mean, I – Look, I I think McCord is average at best. Like I think he's he's maybe even slightly above average. I don't think he is championship level. Like he is not a guy who is going to lead you to a championship. Obviously, with a defense as good as this team's is, maybe you don't need that out of a quarterback. Right. But I also think like he could potentially be a liability in games against better defenses. So like I understand the thoughts of potentially trying to see what else you've got. The problem is is I just don't think they've got anything else. You know, and we talked about that at the beginning. So it's like, I, I just don't know either through injury or just like, who's here. We saw Devin Brown play. It wasn't good. Everybody else is like, uh, Tristan Jebbia is like my age. He's, he's like in his early thirties pretty much. Uh, you know, he's not, but he's like, this, this is le- legitimately his seventh year, seventh year yeah. as a college quarterback. And as we talked about at the beginning, Lincoln Keenholz, has been in Columbus for five months now. So it's like, I understand the the thought, the rationale of saying like, let's see what else we've got behind Kyle. And I, to be honest with you, I wish that they had won games by more points. We could have seen some of these other guys, but like, I just don't know that there's an answer. Like, I don't know that there's, you know, Superman's not coming through the locker room. You know, Lou Gehrig is not going to Wally Pip somebody. Lou Gehrig is not on this roster when it comes to quarterbacks. So I get it. I, I think emotionally, I get it. Logically, it, I, it's just not, it, it's not a thing. But I do think that they've got to figure something out with Kyle. Kyle has to get better. He cannot miss the throws that he's missing. And uh, this is the second week in a row where he made a really bad interception. You can't yeah. do that against Michigan. So like, those are things he's got to get better at. And I don't think he's like, I don't think any player ever is a finished product. Everybody gets, and maybe that's the coach in me. I, you know, I coached college sports. So like, I know everybody gets better. Even your best players get better. Even your worst players get better. So I, 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 I think that there is room to grow. How much is yet to be determined, but need to see something from the offense because if they want to reach their goals against Michigan in the big 10 championship game and in the playoff, it's going to have to be better than what it is. Yeah. And I, I mean, to be honest, everybody, you know, when it comes to Columbus, whether this is right or not, the person they thought was going to be the starter this year is on the sideline at Austin, Texas. You know, at the yeah. end of the day, they're yeah, not even good. playing there because of uh, of injury. Yeah. So, so yeah, that that's just the tough part. Obviously, McCord still should be good. He was a five star. But, um, you know, I, I just I, but if I you miss like but that's the thing, like Gay always says, like, if you're wrong, that's why he goes out and gets a quarterback every year rather than yeah. some places where they get one every other year. If you're wrong, you want to have another guy. The problem is, is I'm not even saying he was wrong with Kyle, but let's just for discussion purposes, let's just say he was wrong and Kyle's not a guy. Somebody else in that locker room 
needs to be able to step up and be a guy. And I don't think Devin Brown is ready to do that. Could he potentially be able to do that at some point? Yes, maybe. But I don't think it's now. There's so no I, I don't know what Ohio State fans want. What's is that? Fully, is he fully healthy? No. There's no, 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 no. He's still got a huge um, brace on his ankle. Yeah. And, and they said he was available for today's game. I would have been shocked if in any situation they put him in. Yeah. And the thing is, Kristen, uh, Tristan Jebbia didn't warm up today. He did not go through pregame drills. So he might have stretched and done that stuff. But like when they were throwing and handing off and doing all that stuff in pregame, like he normally does, he was not involved. So who knows what the hell would have happened. If I mean, really, Lincoln Keenholz was probably the best option as a backup if they needed to go to him, which means that unless Kyle's leg was chopped off, they weren't going to. All right, Justin, that is all that we have for this Ohio State victory over Rutgers. Before we get out of here, give us a 30-second preview of the Ohio State men's basketball team's first game of the season against the Oakland Grizzlies coming up this week. Hell yeah. I'm so excited. Look, maybe that's why I'm so optimistic about the football team because the basketball team (laughs) is back. Uh, High State plays Oakland on Monday. It's on Big Ten Plus. Uh, So good luck watching it. Uh, But I mean, it's really just nine bucks a month, but it's on Big Ten Plus. You know, they, James, they, they, uh, they beat Dayton in their, in their exhibition, in that charity exhibition. They lost their secret scrimmage, but Jameson Battle and Devin Royal did not play. Uh, Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, the backcourt everyone wants to see is back. Zed Key and Felix Agpar. It looks like Agpar will start over Key. So Zed Key, which is wild to me. Yeah. Like where we were a couple years ago with Zed Key being arguably the best player on the team, to now he's splitting time with a with a true sophomore and yeah. being the backup. It's it's wild and and encouraging and exciting because I think this basketball team has a lot of really really good pieces. It'll be interesting because Evan Mahaffey, the transfer from Penn State, is looks like is going to be starting at the three. That gives them four starters as sophomores. So while it kind of feels like an older team because all the freshmen played last year, they're still starting four sophomores. So they're a young team. Jameson Battle for Minnesota, I think, is going to be their their. However, he goes as they go as he goes. I think he's a, an incredible scorer. Uh, for people that don't know him, two years ago he shot seven threes a game in Minnesota and shot the ball at forty five percent clip. That's I people want to hear this. That's John Diebler esque. Like that's incredible shooting. I did not do that last year, but um, so we'll see. We'll see how they are. Yeah. Texas A and M Friday though, so that should be a good one. They're what? What are they? They're ranked. What are they? What are they at? Fifteenth, and they are coming 15th. to Columbus. So they're doing a package ticket package. You get the A and M game and the Michigan State game, um, and football. So that'd be kind of cool if you're in Columbus and you know want to catch a Friday night hoops game, Saturday night uh, football game. Definitely should do that. All right, everybody. Thank you for following along. Again, Ohio State beats the Rutgers Scarlet Knights 35-16. to If you are not following us already on your podcast platform of choice, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your daily dose of audio goodness. You can also follow us on social media at LandGrant33. You can follow me at Matt and Justin at Justin underscore Golba. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, Go Bucks. Go Bucks.